Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Our Army at War number 166, cover date April 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist Joe Cooper, edited by Robert Kaniger. Featuring Sergeant Rock in Half a Sergeant, writer Robert Kaniger, artist Joe Kubert, and Fox of the Crow number 97, cover date April May 1966, cover price 12 cents, edited by Murray Boltonoff, featuring Stanley and his monster in It Just Ghost to Show Ya, written by Arnold Drake, art by Jay Winslow Mortimer. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go go! Here we are with our two least favorite kinds of comics, War and Stanley and his Monster. Oh, yeah! Uh, Stanley and his Monster, as you may recall, are uh, a little boy named Stanley who has a monster. And that's the catch, everyone. You're bearing the lead, Bob. Am I? No, you're not. I'm sorry. One of the things that cannot be ignored is Stanley has a terrible lisp. Yes, Stanley and his monster. The monster doesn't have a lisp. Just Stanley. Just Stanley, which but makes only it... sometimes. Like, he can turn it off when he needs to. Did you notice that? Um, no, I just... Because oh. I realized in order to make sense of Stanley's... The way that it's written, yeah. I had to read it very quickly. And my brain would, fill, would, would convert the TH to an S. So, right. So I just... Yeah. I think we told the story before that that's how your mother makes fun of gay people. Faith, like talking with a big TH lisp. That's true. Instead of a sibilant lisp like yes. all gay people have. Yes. Well, I don't think... Us that's... excluded, of course. Our diction is perfect. Yes. Well, we uh, when I grew up, we didn't actually have any gays uh, that my family knew. Same. No. Yeah. Oh, except for Mr. Marriott, the Pegleg Fag, who was the math teacher in seventh grade. Who was friends with your parents. Yes. Um, in fact, Mr. Marriott... It has passed away, so I can tell this without risking his job. When my sister went to prom, yes, she and her boyfriend—he wasn't really her boyfriend, just a male friend—okay, uh, they didn't want to actually go to the prom. Yes, so they went to Mr. Marriott's house and he fed them booze. Really? Yes. It's fine. They were very mature for their age. I had no idea. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that. Wow. See you next week, everybody. Okay, bye, everybody. What are you doing over there? Don't pay attention to me. I'm putting some, some. It's called um, enlightenment balm, um, on my cuticles. Oh, yeah. Because of your because of soft guitar playing. 
Yes, I'm, I've been trying all different things to put on my nails to keep them from snapping and breaking. Because uh-huh. God gave me garbage nails. Yeah. So um, I'm finding that putting a moisturizer on them without any alcohol, I was just reading the ingredients to see if it had alcohol on it or not, um, actually has been helping me. You know what you need? What? To drink gelatin. Oh, That do I? strengthens nails, yes. Oh, okay. Or I could make you some of my famous jello salads. Well, I doubt that any guitarists are listening to this, but just in case any are, I have those curvity nails that curve in at the, in the middle. So they're just, they're, like I said, they're garbage nails. Don't be so hard on yourself. That's okay. I'm totally fine with other things about me. <laughs> are you now? Yes, of course I am. Now, Stanley and his monster. Stanley uh, and his monster, I should say, are appearing in the Fox and the Crow comics number 97. And we decided to pass over the Fox and the Crow for this, for this did, special episode. Although I have some news about Fox and the Crow I'm going to talk about in a minute. But okay. um, Stanley and his monster are gradually taking over the Fox and the Crow comic, which has been published since the 50s. And eventually it will be renamed Stanley and his monster. Okay. Uh, Stanley and his monster apparently was a big hit. They were even talking about making a television show of it. Oh, they. This would have been the time they were making Mr. Ed, right? Yeah. And uh, Beverly maybe. Hillbillies. Yeah, Beverly Hillbillies for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Bewitched and I Dream of yeah. Genie. So, so this supernatural. Is right up the alley. Yeah. yeah. But I think we can all be grateful that there never was a Stanley and his monster television show because they would have had to cast a little boy that talked with a lisp like this, and there's nobody that can talk with a lisp like that except for Ron Howard. From the music man, and he would have been too old to play Stanley at this point. All right. Uh, Stanley and his monster in It Just Ghost to Show You. Mm, 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 mm. Now, when I was eight years old, I would have gone insane for that title. I would have thought that was the cleverest thing I ever heard of. Yeah. Well, that's kind of written for eight year olds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open this issue. First, let me say that. Mrs. Stanley, mm-hmm. Stanley's mother, mm-hmm. she's got a nice figure. She, I like the cut of her jib. Uh-huh, she's wearing a smart little skirt suit. Is that what you call that? Uh, no, just a little dress, a little two-piece dress. Um, and uh, bouffant hairdo, mm-hmm. a woman of the modern age. Mm-hmm. Stanley is begging his father for a dollar forty nine. That's all he wants. May I please have a dollar forty nine? Meanwhile, Mrs. Stanley has apparently bought a French grandfather clock at an auction which cost eight hundred dollars. Which in nineteen sixties money is quite a bit. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um it's a genuine antique because the man in the store told her so. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, Mr. Stanley, who's angry a lot Probably because he is the only one that works, and $800 is a lot of money. Now, we don't know that she doesn't work. She might have a little side hustle. Like a... uh, Sewing. What was the mother on Hazel? Remember Hazel? Mm Mm-hmm. She had like a home decorating business. She was a decorator. That's Mm -hmm. why she needed a maid. Mm Mm-hmm. Carol Brady, on the other hand. But she had eight kids to raise. She needed... Just six. Oh, that's right. Six six plus a dog. Hey, guess what I saw? What? Um, there's a DVD set coming out next month, uh-huh. which has every Brady thing ever. All the whole show, uh-huh. the cartoon show, mm-hmm. the Brady Brides. The all, Brady Brides? Yes. All the Brady reunions? All the Brady reunion movies, mm-hmm. the drama series from the 90s, and the theatrical movies with Shelley Long, Who's Your Favorite Actress? Wow. Right? The that's... only thing it doesn't have is the variety show. Oh, that's all right. That's, well... If you want to be complete, you need to get that. But it has to be on bootleg. 
Yeah, well, but you could pull it up on YouTube, can't you? No. You can't, the, Brady, the Variety Show? Maybe like one episode. I thought we not. have. We watched The Variety we Show. We have two episodes which were released on DVD, episode one and episode four. But there were nine episodes filmed in oh, total. So. Yeah. They're pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Special, so you said that in quotation marks. I did. Let's uh, get back to Stanley and his monster. Well, are you in a hurry? No, it's just that I got nine and a half hours of sleep last night. Oh, I am not so the you're... least bit sleepy. I've got lots of energy and I'm ready to talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go. All right. Yeah. So, the the clock is brought in and of course the husband and wife are arguing over the cost of it and all Stanley wants is a dollar 49. Why? $1.49 to feed his dog. To feed his dog. He wants to buy some lizards. How many, Bob? I wants to buy a dozen lizards. A dozen. Well, see, he can say dozen times. Dozen fine. lizards. A dozen live lizards. Cough. Cough. At the pet shop. shop. See, well, that's this... because the S is made at a different place. The, the shh is made by pressing your tongue up to the alveolar ridge. Yes, that's a freaking right? isn't it? Yes. And then the z, z, z is a voiced S. That's mm-hmm. all. It's the same S, but mm-hmm. it's voiced. So he should have been like dozen, dozen. Dozen, yeah. Dozen, like a, with a voiced TH. Uh-huh. Uh, which is, I can't remember how to do that in IPA, but you know what I mean. Right. IPA is not a beer, everyone. It's the International Phonetic Alphabet. Yes. Google it. So both of us having been diction teachers, I mean, we're still diction teachers. Yes, yes. We are both extremely annoyed at the inconsistency of his application of the, of the lisp. I'm so angry I could spit. <laughs> so Stanley says he has a dog and he wants to feed his dog. And his father says, A, you don't have a dog. And second, dogs don't eat lizards. And, and third, third, you're you not can't going have to. dog. Exactly. Um... So, yeah, I forgot to mention this also. Stanley thinks the monster is a dog. It's clearly not. It's eight feet tall and it's pink and it has fangs. Well, Stanley's a little boy. If he knew he had a monster, who knows how he'd react. He's also an only child. You know, when I was a child, I used to be so afraid to sleep with my feet outside of the covers. I was really? afraid that, that monsters would grab them. Mm-hmm. That extended far too long for my rational mind. Like, I was not a, I was a pretty smart kid, but it's still, I still, I would lay in my bed and I would put my arms out, yeah. but I was terrified to have my feet out. And it was because, growing up, my mother let us watch horror movies, the worst kind. I saw The Exorcist at the drive-in when I was four years old. Four years old. Yes. Uh, I remember that story. I was terrified of things. That you... movie, The Hand, which I think had Michael Caine in it. Where the guy's going along and his hand gets cut off and then uh-huh. a hand, hand haunts him and crawls along the ground. I was terrified to put my feet in the ground at night because of the hand. Well, I'm not terrified to have my feet in the ground, but I do like a nice tight foot corner Yet on you my sleep sheets. with your leg out. Yet I sleep with my leg out. Hot. Right. Yeah. But I like to start the night with uh, tucked in feet and a cold pillow. You know, I used to never care about my feet until we got married. Oh, yeah. until, well, I mean, actually, long before we got married, right, we right, were right, together, right. you know, like, I never cared about it. And now, I, I have to have the sheets tight around the feet. Well, I'm glad I've exerted some positive influence on you. Mm. At least you won't have to worry about monsters if your feet are tucked in. Although I do sleep with my feet out now. I don't know when I started doing that. I was a teenager, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we can get back to this. Anyway, Stanley so is up in his bedroom with the monster. The monster's eating a box of frozen... his father sends him up there. Right. Uh, the monster's eating a box of frozen chicken hearts. Oh, so who knows where he good. got that from? <laughs> oh, God. Frozen chicken hearts. How many? I mean, what are they going to do with those chicken hearts anyway? Right? Put them in dog food, I suppose. Now, so, chicken hearts are not bad. No, they're not bad if they're prepared correctly. We, my siblings and I, fried is what I mean, really. Fried. Right, right, right. Or baked. 
my siblings and I are crazy for all innards of chickens because when we were little, our father would not allow us to eat them because he wanted to eat them all. Oh. So we thought they were some fantastic delicacy. Right. And indeed they are. You didn't realize that most people consider them trash food. Right, but let me tell you, everyone except Dr. Husband, who's sitting across the table from me, if you want something delicious, get some chicken gizzards and some cream of mushroom soup, put it in the crock pot all day long, and serve it over rice. It will melt in your mouth. Hand to God. Okay, so, um, now, I mean, I I did grow up killing rabbits that we raised to supplement our grocery diet. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, I do, I will eat and I actually did kill it and skin a chicken or two uh-huh. in my life. I will eat that stuff, but I choose not to now. My great-grandmother could mm-hmm. pick up a chicken in each hand mm-hmm. and wring their necks, put them in the stew pot. She's from West Virginia, right? No. Oh. Ohio. 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 Mm. Um, okay, so there, Stanley and uh, and his monster are uh, arguing back and forth. Math two-fifth. That's we'll the monster's about. temporary That's name. That's his temporary probably. name. And so the monster says, look, man, I'm tired. i got to go to bed. So Stanley goes to bed in his dresser drawer. Yep. And Massachusetts goes to sleep in Stanley's bed. By the way, that same great-grandmother that could ring chickens' necks, she was born in 1856 in a blizzard. She was a twin. The other twin died. She weighed a pound and a half mm-hmm. at birth. And she slept in a cigar box for a year because she was so tiny. A whole year? Well, maybe. I don't know how long. But they dressed her in doll clothes. My goodness. Well, that's they did what they had to do back in the 1850s. So Stanley's asleep and he's going back to, to uh, dreaming now. Yes. And he dreams that his father's giving him a bike. Yes. And then he dreams that he gets a sailboat and a football. Yep. Uh-huh. And then he says, and now for the thing you wanted most in the world, Stanley, here it is. And he's got something on a leash and boom, Stanley gets awakened by the monster. Right. Pulled out of his dream. Uh, and then he goes back into the dream, just yeah. like Superboy did a couple of weeks but ago. But why does Stanley wake him up? Uh, because the monster hears a uh, noise. Right. And Stanley's like, no, I don't want to hear yeah, it. No. Go back to bed. Uh, then Stanley hears, hears the noise. Right. And he gets scared. They creep downstairs. With a flashlight? With a flashlight. The noise is coming from the antique grandfather clock. Oh, of course, the monster star- stops with the refrigerator door right, open right, right. and raise it. Look at all the contents in the refrigerator. Uh, it's, it's not wrapped up in saran wrap. They didn't do that in the old days. No, they just that. stick anything in there. And also, people didn't go out to eat as often right. as people do now. So they, that food wouldn't have stayed in there very long. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remind you that the antique grandfather clock is French. And so what do you think is making the noise? A ghost. Not just any ghost. No. The ghost of Napoleon, The ghost of the emperor of France. Uh, That's good. We should have dramatized this. However, he's not... He's just an outline, like a white outline, like Casper, the ghost. White outline with a face. You know he's wearing a a French Napoleon hat, but it kind of looks like he could be a squid, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He, uh... No details, just a white, whited out. They give Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon asks for some wine, so Stanley gives them a cup of cooking wine, his mother's wine, which is, that's not going to be very good. Nope. No, he spits it out. Um, no one will believe that he is Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Meaning Stanley or his, nor his monster will believe that he's Napoleon. Right. Uh, Napoleon, however, deduces. That 
the monster is not a dog. Yes. But in fact, a 3,000-year-old monster. Mm-hmm. Well, in later days, Stanley and his monster reappeared, and it turned out the monster was a demon. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think it ate Stanley in the end. God. Well, it was the 90s. They had to do something to spice it up. Uh, Napoleon follows them around the house and is creepy, and the next day, they go to school. Although Napoleon does sleep up in Stanley's room with the monster and Stanley, and Napoleon puts his head on a ghost pillow. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, they all get along swell. Swell? They all get along very well. This is uh, important to remember. Napoleon tells how his wife, Josephine, knitted him socks, but they were too long. Mm-hmm. And so when you see a portrait of Napoleon and his hands inside his jacket, mm-hmm. he that's what he's doing. He's holding his sock up so it doesn't fall. It's important for what happens next. And he tells them that his uh, all of his two long stockings were stored in an apartment in Paris, number 30, Rue des Enfants, where he kept all his gigantic hosiery. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Next day at school, the teacher is talking about Napoleon and describes him, I have a problem with this, describes him as a great hero of France. I'm not sure that French people believe him to be a great hero of France. Mm, no. I actually Googled it, and there's not really much evidence. So, I mean, she, she starts by talking about the father, George Washington, the father of our country. Right, right, right. And Lincoln, the man who saved it. And, right, of right, course, right. other nations had their heroes, too. Napoleon, for example, was a great hero of France, a magnificent general. Hmm. She asks the class if anyone knows why he has his hand in his jacket. And, of course, of course Stanley knows why. Yes, to hold his socks up. Because uh, Josephine, he says Josephine, because Josephine was a rotten knitter. So there he goes. Yeah, he can say Josephine, but he can't say fox. And he says 3,000-year-old dog. And it doesn't, I mean, it says 3,000 in, in numbers, so you can assume that it's not 3,000. Right. Stanley's just really... I think he's doing it on purpose. I think he is, too. Um, The teacher dismisses him immediately, which also makes me angry, because when I was in first grade, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Britton Mm -hmm. was talking about uh, when you group numbers together, like when you say a couple or a trio, and how many is that? Mm -hmm. And I said, a couple is two. And she said, well, no, a couple just means a, a bunch of things. When you say a couple of things, you just mean a bunch. And I said, no, it means two. Because the odd couple is two people. Right. And a couple is two people. Right. She was dismissive. She never accepted my answer of two. Are you sure you're remembering that correctly? I remember it like it happened yesterday. My God. Right? Wow. And of course I couldn't say anything to my parents because her husband worked with my father at Industrial Nucleonics. Oh, living in a small city. Right. Mm. It wasn't that small. It had a million people. Anyway. Class dismissed. Uh, but Bethy, Bethy Blabbermouth, Bethy Blabbermouth, whose father is the newspaper editor, mm-hmm. goes home and tells her father all about Stanley's belief that he's being haunted by the ghost Napoleon, no, and it, it's the headline the next day above the fold headline. If your elementary school child comes home and tells you a story, is it going to be the lead story on the the Daily Planet newspaper? I mean, that's uh, 
the ultimate support of your child, I guess, yes. She must be an incredible child. Uh, she must be incredibly yeah, I didn't brilliant. Actually, I didn't actually notice that it was the Daily Planet, but I guess we can presume that Stanley's living in Metropolis. Okay. Right? Which is a giant city. Yes. Millions of people. Above the fold headline, Stanley and Napoleon's ghost. Stanley's father is the laughing stock of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a call from France. The same day that the headline comes out yeah. in, in the Daily Planet. Well, the Daily Planet has an international edition. Okay. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. How is that transmitted? Uh, telegraph? Okay. Telephone. I imagine the reporters all rush into the phone booth and just read the copy over the phone and they transcribe it. Okay. Or they have, you know, pneumatic mail tubes, something. I, I'm not worried about it. There's lexophones all over the world. So Stanley's father gets uh, a phone call. From France. From France. And he says, uh, he picks it up and the man says to him, Allo, Monsieur Dover, this is Professor Chatelain of the French Department of National Culture. And That's good. And his father says back to him, Before you start, sir, I can explain it all. Oh, I hope so, monsieur. I am calling from Paris, France, number 30, rue de... Uh, that says 30, It's the address that Stanley talked about the socks being in. 237 pairs of Napoleon's uh, knitted socks. The greatest history discovery of my career. Think of, first of all, the dust that's going to be in that apartment. Oh, Second of all... The filth. The filth. And wouldn't have moths have gotten in there after 150 years? You'd think so. Uh, anyway, look what happened. Stanley and his parents are going to get a free trip to France. Didn't they get a free trip on a cruise ship? Under the oh, sugar and spikes. Sugar and mm-hmm. spikes. Yeah. Uh, and that theft that maybe we'll get to go to France. He can say France. Why can't he say France? Dad theft. Said that, yeah, it's the same. It's the same uh, consonant, right? Of course, you two can come along, you and Napoleon, and you, Matha, Matha. Well, Stanley can't go on trying to say Massachusetts, which nope. is the monster's name. Mm-hmm. How about it, reader? Can you think of a better name for Stanley's monster? If you can, send it to Stanley and his monster care of Fox and Crow National Periodicals, five hundred seventy-five Lexington Avenue, New York, New York one double o two two. What would you name the monster? Blorg. Okay. What would uh, you name the monster? Bosco. Oh, Bosco's a great name. That's a great name for a dog, too. You never had a dog named Bosco. No, not yet. Um, I was not going to cover any of these Fox and the Crow stories. There's five, no, three Fox and the Crow stories Good in here. God, I haven't read any, any of them. They're, they're not terrible. What I do want to point up, though, is that the Fox and the Crow are based on a cartoon series from the 40s, and they're actually excellent cartoons. You can find those on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show okay. notes about that. And I also read this interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, there's the letter page. Mm-hmm. Dear editor, I've been a Fox and Crow fan for years, and I think it's about time I learned something about the people who create them, don't you? Oh. Signs, Elaine Bostwick, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So many readers agree with you, Elaine Bostwick, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that it's time that we lost no time in contacting Cecil Beard, who writes the feature in Hollywood. Oh, really? In Hollywood? Here's what Cecil Beard says. I've been associated with the animation industry since 1937 when I was hired to do my first feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. What? 
Egypt. After that, I worked on Bambi, Pinocchio, and Fantasia. Later, I moved to another studio to write Puppetoons, famous George Powell Puppetoons, until I was called in by Screen Gems for the original Fox and Crow animated cartoons. I've always had an interest in comic strips and have used my talents on Ella Cinders and Napoleon. I don't know what those are. When comics became popular about 20 years ago, I began to contribute to various publications. My wife, Alpine Harper, who also is a writer, collaborates with me. By now, I think we've written for almost every comic character in the business. From time to time, we've also done scripts for TV productions, such as The Addams Family. Well, what do you know? When we sneak off time, each of us is engaged in our own project, something we call, quote, serious writing, unquote, Although writing of any kind is hard work, there is great satisfaction to be gained from doing it. That's so interesting. I'm glad that we saw that. Yeah. Uh, they have two daughters. I tried to Google and get in touch with daughters, but I didn't have any luck. Okay. But if I ever find them, we'll interview them live on the air. Um, anyway, that's interesting. I Googled a little bit last night, and Alpine Harper has some entries on women in comics. Okay. And, um, Did they ever publish any books? I don't know. He talks about serious writing. Right, right, right. I'll investigate that okay. further. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he was so influential in early animation with the Disney studio mm-hmm. and other studios. That's neither here nor there. Very interesting. What's next? What's next? Oh, Sergeant Rock climbing up a hill. Do, 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 do. We'll be back after this. Get your own inflatable doll. Just add air. Lifelike in every detail. Made of soft, smooth, pliable vinyl. Judy looks and feels amazingly lifelike. Inflatable. Just add air and instantly you have a life-size beauty. Guarantee. This is an ultra deluxe model. There is no other inflatable doll as lifelike as Judy. You must be 100% delighted or your money fully refunded. I'm Judy. A life-size inflatable London doll made with startling detail. I'm formed from vinyl with a human-like softness and feel that will amaze you and your friends. Just add air, and instantly I become a five-foot, four-inch beauty who wears size eight clothes. You can dress me up for any occasion, take me riding or to a party, Boating or swimming, I float. Around the house, I'll be the ideal burglar deterrent. Prowlers will see that someone is home. Me. Just let your imagination go and you will see that I can be the most exciting thing ever invented for party gags. You are bound to find hundreds of exciting and unusual uses for me. Give your daughter a Judy doll, and she'll be the talk of the neighborhood with the largest doll in town. I'm the most unusual gift that you can give to yourself or to a friend, if you can bear to part with me. Get the complete package for the ultimate enjoyment of your London doll order, Judy complete with pajamas, bikini, and a wig in blonde or brunette. Hey, remember that Roxette song from the 80s about Sergeant Rock? No. Half a sergeant, half a woman. That's I might have the words wrong, but I think it was half a something. Okay. Um, I'm just assuming it was about Sergeant Rock. Okay. Because he was so popular in the 80s. Was he? 
Because no. he... No. Um, he did have an action figure in the 80s. Did he? Yeah. They took... Uh, when they stopped making Masters of the Universe, uh-huh. they took all the molds and made uh, Sergeant Rock and Hercules and Arak, Son of Thunder. Cool. Yeah. That isn't from Thunder the Barbarian, is it? Arak's no, Arak was a DC Comics character who was an American Indian that was kidnapped by Vikings and taken back to Europe oh. and had adventures there. Wow. Yeah. You'd like it. Would I? Yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, there are no go-go checks on those covers, so... So... We won't be, oh, we won't be seen. Yeah. Sergeant Rock of Easy Company. Drill me, kill me, any way you... Bill me. Uh, <laughs> Good one, Bob. Splash page, Sergeant Rock is beating off Nazis with the butt of his <laughs> rifle. Uh, this is Sergeant Rock speaking. What's the difference between a soldier facing a firing squad and one being decorated? If you think you know the answer, you'll be as booby-trapped as I was when the order was written in blood and made me half, half a, a sergeant. sergeant. I can't remember where Sergeant Rock grew up. But he does like to drop the final G's of words. That's true. Um, he so also... can I just say something about S- Sergeant Rock? Yeah. I appreciate his valor. Uh-huh. I appreciate his fearlessness. Yeah. And I appreciate his strong moral conviction. Yeah. But his uh, his ego, uh, the way that he beats the crap out of himself, reminded me a lot of my childhood. <laughs> I thought, hey, this guy could have grown up in my house. Oh, so I'm reading here that Sergeant Rock was raised, along with his brothers Larry, Mickey, and Eddie, and a younger sister, by a stepfather who was a Pennsylvania miner. So. Okay. Um, I think it would be <laughs> more interesting if he was talking in like a Philly accent. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is. Yeah, pretty- this is Sergeant Rock easy. <laughs> and I've been in the line long enough to know anything can happen to a sergeant. That wasn't very good. Wouldn't have to have Jen George back to her Philly accent. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the setup. Sergeant Rock has been ordered to take his men up a hill and capture it from the Nazis. The Nazis. And he, his men have seen so much battle and they're so decimated that he is refusing to follow the order. Yeah. And so he's having a dream that he's facing death by firing squad which apparently was the punishment for disobeying orders. Yes. That they it was? Well during wartime. Yeah? I guess. I mean I I thought they'd be court martialed and sentenced to Right. I think you you'd know. have to have a some but kind of a They're engaged in war with the Nazis, so maybe Well, I mean I could see like yes, civil war if you're deserting and disobeying orders, you're dead on the spot, but we were pretty civilized in World War Two. I have no idea. I didn't do any research on it, and I didn't think about that. I did think it was, you know, I did actually think it was a bit antiquated, that whole idea of you you disobeyed orders, I'm going to shoot you. But um, I, you know, I don't know, maybe still, you know, look it up. I'm looking it up. Uh, Firing squad. Squad. When do we stop the practice of using firing squads? I guess we'll never know because my internet is so slow. No, it isn't. Do you have the right one? Yes. Uh, what happened to a WW1? Okay, that's WW1. Here we go. Capital punishment by the U.S. military. 
the military executed 160 soldiers and other members of the armed forces between 1942 and 1961. Wow. These figures do not include German prisoners of war, war criminals, spies, and saboteurs executed by the U.S. military. Uh, of the total, 21 were executed for rape and murder, 85 for murder, and 53 for rape, with Army Private Eddie Slovak being executed in 1945 by firing squad for desertion. Well, he's not deserting. He's just refusing to carry out an order. Carry out an order. Yeah. But even so, this guy that was shot for desertion did have a court martial. Okay. So yeah, uh, we're calling bullshit on the Sergeant Rock being executed by firing squad in the middle of the Ardon or wherever. So they are. it opens up after the splash page with Sergeant Rock imagining that he's yeah. going to be facing a firing squad for 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 the for the. Decision that he's right, struggling right, right. with right now, which is to disobey the order that has been given to him, which is to take the hill that they're yeah. fighting with the Nazis on top of the hill at all costs, and it's it's quite a hill. It's not like it's not like you're a slaying hill or a right, sledding right, right. hill, right? I'm sorry, no. it's it's quite a hill. Uh, so he looks back at his soldiers. They're I'll all... name them here: Oh, Ice Cream Soldier, Bulldozer, Jackie, Wild Man, Little Sure Shot, Canary. And Sonny. Sonny, how I'm going to lead you up that hill. Sonny, all right. Uh, it's Bloody Hill. That's the name of the hill. Of course. Because the Nazis are on top picking everybody off. Yep. So he orders his men to dig into their foxholes, fall back, dig into the foxholes. Because they do try to advance. Yeah. And they're just getting taken shots, and the guys are just a mess. Yep, yep, He orders yep. them to fall back and dig in, and he tears up the orders. Tears it into little pieces. Mm-hmm. Then he feels his sergeant stripes on the his arm of his uniform start burning. Tighten around this yeah. upper arm. Yeah. He's tripping on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, orders his men to dig into the foxholes, feels the sergeant stripes tightening around his upper arm, and then, eyeballs in the, the sky. sky. Uh, eyeballs in the sky. in the sky. What were you saying? Eyeballs in the sky. Dun, 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 dun. All the sergeant's eyes for making eyeballs in the sky. Staring down at him. Yes. Dun, 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 all dun, dun, of the eyeballs of all of the sergeants in all of the armies and all of the world. Glaring down at him from the dark and Well, sky. obviously he's been gassed. You think? Yeah, something. <laughs> or he's eaten, you know, they were probably grounding for food in the woods. Eating and some bad rations. Some he has some rations something. with him. Oh, we'll get to that also yeah. in a minute. Uh, I can't order the guys to take this hill, so I'm just going to go up myself on a suicide mission and die so that I don't have to die by firing squad. I guess that's what he's... After. Yeah, he's, he's choosing to die with valor instead of dying for disobeying orders. Right. So he gets up there in the dark. He finds a Nazi patrol. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to open fire. Because that'll draw. Right. That'll draw attention. So he just starts beating them off with the butt of his rifle. It's interesting that you chose the words beating them off. <laughs> Twice now. Have I? Uh-huh. Well, I haven't chosen those words. I mean, that's what they just flowed out of you. Well, what would you say he's doing? Beating them up, or picking them off one by one, or taking them on? Not quite beating them off. Well, he's 
not doing any of those things. He is swinging the butt of his rifle to beat them off of his position. (laughs) Why do you have to sully everything with your filthy mind? Everything. (laughs) The innocence of a wartime comic. Our brave men in uniform beating each other off. (laughs) I can't believe you. Okay. The enemies, uh, instead of opening fire, which would attract their own, but it would all, they just turn their butts around and start beating him off. (laughs) (laughs) Knocking me over like I was a chicken on a chopping block. Oh, God, that's funny. Then he starts swinging his ammo belt like a bullwhip. Yeah, he's good at that, too. Yeah. Well, he's had a lot of practice. With his men in Easy Company, they whip each other and beat each, beat each other, other off. off and all sorts of stuff. Just for practice, in case yeah. they run up any any Nazis. Yeah. Um, he defeats the Nazi soldiers, every single one of them. Yeah. Imagine getting hit with that with that um, ammo belt. Ammo, ammo belt, my God. Nonetheless, the ghostly eyes of all the sergeants and all the armies and all the world burning into him, burning into the back of his skull, mm-hmm. like burning stars. Mm-hmm. He keeps going up the hill. Mm-hmm. The eyes are following him. And before you know it, he runs into some fire. Well, he runs into barbed wire, which has bells attached, yeah. which notifies the Nazis to his position. Right. And then this poor little scrungy little dog. Oh, this poor out. dog. Uh, it looks a mess. Its ribs are sticking out. Its oh, tongue is hanging so out. so lanky. It's gotten caught up in some of the bells that were hanging on the barbed wire, and they're clanging and clanging, so... His heart's just racing, and he runs into um, Sergeant Rock, and Sergeant Rock holds him there close to him and calms him down. Gets the bells off of him. Mm -hmm. And then feeds him a bar of chocolate. Mm. Now, I'm quite certain that even in the 1940s, we knew that chocolate is no good for dogs. I don't know. And especially if he's in Europe, this is good quality chocolate. Oh, yeah. Well, no, these are American rations, so you don't... Well, he might have good quality chocolate. You're right. You're right. Anyway, don't feed your dog chocolate, everyone. Ever. Especially children in 1966 reading this comic book. (laughs) (sighs) I'm warming my toes against Captain Butler right now. No, that's me. No, that's actually... We're both got our feet... (laughs) <laughs> warming him with Captain Butler. Um, so the dog's there. Yep. The and dog follows him on up the Sergeant hill. Sergeant Rock was trying to send the dog away, but that damn dog's following him up the hill. You know his mistake. Hmm. If he you gave want him a, food. He gave him food, but also, if you want a dog to run away from you for its own protection, you have to throw rocks at it. Like in um, Lassie? Like in uh, Old Yeller, everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, go. <laughs> um, the dog goes, so, so the dog's leading him underneath the barbed wire. Well, not yet, because he sends the dog away. Oh, yeah. But then the dog comes back and leads him underneath the barbed wire. That dog kind of looks like Falcor. Yes, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> if it was Falcor, Sergeant Rock could have jumped on his back and they would have flown over. Like flown a, right over. Yeah. The dog dragon. is leading him in a safe path through the barbed wire so he doesn't ring the bells or... Set off any of the grenades, which are also attached to the barbed wire. Oh, 
I'm just assuming that was all stuff that actually happened. Yeah. I didn't do much research about war tactics in the European theater. In this period. Uh, accidentally, though, Sergeant Rock does trip off a bell and alerts the Nazis to his position. And they open fire right away. They open fire. The eyeballs are still haunting him. Driving him on. Sergeant Rock can't take it. No longer he rips his sergeant stripes right off his uniform. Mm. The dog runs straight into the nest of Ratsies. And and they shoot the dog. They shoot the dog. Were you really sad when you read this? I really was. Same. Of course, I don't want to see a dog get shot. No, but and especially that pitiful little panel where the dog's laying dead. Oh, and, the, and you can see the shadows of him fighting the Nazis. Beating yeah. off, uh, beating Sergeant off the Nazis. Rock was crazy... Just beaten off the Nazis left and right. Yeah. Both hands. Mm. So he's a double-handed beater-offer. Yeah, and his hands are hot, too. <laughs> are they? Well, his hands get so hot that he, he, he picks up this, 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 um, the barrel of the gun, and he said, it's so hot I can't feel it burning the meat off my hands. Oh. Anyway, the eyeballs are still there watching, <laughs> watching his every move. Uh-huh. All the sergeants and all the armies in the world were still bugging me as I swiveled the enemy gun barrel around. Oh, I'm sorry. That's on the next page. What? I just remember him saying that about it, not be, burning the meat off his hands. <laughs> Singe the meat off my hands. That's what he says. He takes up a position, starts firing into the Nazis. This machine gun. And the gun jams. The gun jams. Yep. Uh, that he just picks up the gun out of the ground. There it is. Didn't he feel t- the burning barrel singe the meat off my hands. And he takes that big gun. Takes a big runs gun. Runs right into runs, those firing Nazis and, and just starts just beats them beating off. them off. Uh, yeah, he's running right into live gunfire, right up to their position. He's a brave man. Swing and beat. Swing. Thud, 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 thud. Crack, crack, crack. Beat. Womp, crack. Just take your hand. Ball it up into a fist and um, beat them off. Beat them off. <laughs> now, he passes out at some point, apparently. Yes. He wakes up to the sound of Easy Company beating off every last soldier. Yeah. Which sounds something like this. Thud, 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 thud. Crack! Like... like... <laughs> um... And what wakes him up? The dog licking his face. Yes. Something um, cold and rough like sandpaper. Sandpaper. Oh, the Easy dog's Company alive. has come to rescue Sergeant Rock, and they bring with them the orders that he ripped up, yeah. which they have taped together. Yeah. I'm glad they have tape in out in the field. Well, they probably have surgical tape. Oh, that's true. Right? So they have. Uh, taped... I, mean, I meant, I meant uh, bandage tape. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've taped the orders together so that no one will ever know that Sergeant Rock was tempted to disobey orders. And they followed him up the hill. And they and walk they, off into the sunset. They beat with off the Nazis and their skinny the little dog and all the eyes of all the sergeants and all the armies and all the world still spying on him as he beats men off. Yeah. Um, I guess those sergeants up there are satisfied that the two halves of me came together again. <laughs> to beat people off. Yeah. I have We're some really, news. really running that one into the ground. Yeah, well, that's what we yeah. do. Yeah. Um, I have some bad news. Yeah, what? 
Um, I think you're, uh, you've said it so many times that the, that the impact of it has grown flaccid. According to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, uh, which details every supporting character in this story, including Bulldozer, Ice Cream Soldier, Wild Man, Little Short Shop, Jackie Johnson, Canary, and Sonny, we have three characters who make no further appearances. Oh. Canary, Sonny, and a dog. I was hoping that Sergeant Rock would get an animal companion like so many superheroes had in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that this would be uh, Sergeant Dog or uh, Rock Dog or... Wasn't there a gorilla in the last... You can't pin a metal on a gorilla. Yeah, that wasn't uh, Sergeant Rock, though. That was was Sergeant Gorilla. Our fighting boys, our fighting men. I think that was Star Spangled War Stories. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, they're all the same, really. I know. They literally are. The letter column is named the same thing. Readers, sound off, which is the same letter column title that's in another war comic I just looked at. Yeah. Um, Listen to this letter. The first one? No, the third one from Ernest Jelkins of Peoria, Illinois. Dear editor, what happened to Mac, the GI robot? I read about him for a couple of issues in Star Spangled War a while ago, a year or two, I guess. Then he disappeared. I thought he was sensational. He may have been made up of nuts and bolts, but he was human enough to save the Suicide Squad soldier who went out with him to test him under combat conditions. Did you get the idea for Mac from Metal Men or vice versa? And where are more tales of the Suicide Squad? I used to follow their adventures a couple of years ago. And to go back to Star Spangled, where are more stories of Dino, the baby pterodactyl? And what about the giant white gorilla, both of whom showed human emotions of sympathy by helping soldiers in great danger? Where are these stories? I want giant gorillas and baby dinosaurs and robot... G.I. Robots? Do you know I'm crazy about dinosaurs? I never lost my interest in... I never lost my childhood interest in dinosaurs. Well, who did? I certainly didn't. Mm. Of course, I don't remember names of them like Katie did. Katie was so your niece. Yes, she used to know all the dinosaurs. Was that Rami? No, it was Katie. Katie. Um, Now I do know that DC Comics has uh, continuing stories about Dinosaur Island, which is an island full of dinosaurs during World War II, where Mm. soldiers would visit and have fights with dinosaurs. dinosaurs. So the so the soldiers would visit. Solely for the purpose of fighting dinosaurs. No, they would like you know be shipwrecked and wash up on the shore oh, and have okay. to fire them off or something. They'd have to beat them off. Yeah, with their rifle butts. Um, and I'm not sure if we have any checkerboarded stories of Dinosaur Island coming up. Okay, but you can sure bet I will highlight it for you if we ever do. Cool, cool, cool. Um, anything to add? No, I'm I'm glad we didn't go through uh, the Fox and the Crow this week because I I just couldn't deal with that. I know. Maybe we'll dramatize some of them. Or not. Or we will. You'll do as I say. Oh, will I? Yes, I'm the producer and executive director of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey. Nothing to say. By the way. What? Kelly and Charlie, America's Sweethearts. Yes. They're engaged. I know. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to a surprise party for their engagement tonight. They don't know about it? No. Oh, my God. Surprise. They think they're going to a birthday party. Oh, how wonderful. By the time they hear this, it will have already happened. Yeah, so I can spoil the surprise. Yeah. Um, Sweethearts, aren't they? They are. Yeah. We should have them back. Okay. We will. Yes? I don't. I thought I was going to say something, but I can't remember. Now. Well, I'm going to be on vacation next week, aren't I? You sure are. A staycation. 
Well, you're going to ride your motorbike around. Yeah, I'm going to Shenandoah National Park. Maybe you see some dinosaurs there. Oh, if only. You could go down to that place by Natural Bridge, Virginia, where they have the Civil War soldiers fighting dinosaurs. I could. It's a bit of a distance away, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, anything else to add? Uh, no, it's funny you always ask me that when I, I really appreciate that, but I don't, I don't do the social media like you do. I mean, I have a website, but you right. know, but it, it, I don't have any concerts lined up anytime soon. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. Well, don't forget to look for us on social media at Google Check Pod. And don't forget to... Oh, I do have one thing to add. Yes? I just want to cross-promote a different podcast, if I may. Am I allowed to? Oh, sure. I, my buddy Sean, um, here in, in Maryland and West Virginia... Um, Sean told me of a podcast called Mission to Zix, Z-Y-X-X. He told me last Friday when we were together for our DC Universe role-playing group, and um, I made a note of it and started listening the next morning, and I was hooked right away. There are 18 episodes in the first season, and I listened to it while I was washing dishes, while I was running, on, in, while I was um, in the car. I listened to it. Every moment I could find a spare moment to do it that I wasn't working or doing something else. It is hilarious. And I cannot recommend it enough. I'm on the second season right now. There are three seasons. It is brilliant. Maybe they'll hear this and recommend us. If only. Um, by the way, if you're listening, if you want to do a, a promo swap, I'm up for that. Yeah. Just oh, by the way, promo. Mission to Zix is completely improvised. Um parody of uh, sort of like the Star Wars tale. Very, very funny. Uh, social media, go, go check pod. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts from. And we'll be back next week. Yes. With not a sight of Stanley and his monster. Thank goodness. For a good long while. Yes. All right, that's all. Bye. Bye.